Welcome to Know Thy Trauma, a podcast by Wellspring Solutions Counseling Services. We are a group practice of licensed professional counselors who are dedicated to helping people heal the loss and trauma that is part of the human experience. The content in today's episode could be potentially triggering, so please use discretion as you listen. If you find yourself triggered, we encourage you to pause it, engage in something that soothes you, and return when you're ready. And as always, we encourage you to seek out your own therapy if needed. Hi, welcome to Know Thy Trauma. I'm Sharon Wegman. And I'm Kate Byler. And today we're going to be talking about Know Thy Narcissist. Yes. Part part two. (laughs) We didn't even rehearse that. (laughs) Right. So uh, last time we talked about um, how, let's kind of just review what we talked about last time, just for people who are just hearing this one for the first time. Sure. Um. We're going yes. through five types. Yeah. If you're just joining us. <laughs> and we did the two already, which were vulnerable and covert. And so, again, if you're just tuning in now, you might want to go back and listen to that part one because we talk about those pretty extensively. Yeah, we talk about how they are formed. This personality is formed early in life and they really don't have a problem with themselves but the people around them have problems with them Mm -hmm. and some of them are more easily identified and as we talked about last time the vulnerable and covert are harder to identify yeah because they portray themselves as these amazing emotionally giving individuals but really they're just trying to manipulate people right lots of strings attached to their giving and I think what we had said too is that these those two types of vulnerable and covert are more likely to be seen by people living with them yes. or in their clo- very close-knit group of someone not not so much just a f- normal friend or acquaintance right you you really wouldn't know that you would probably interact with these people and think they're amazingly lovely individuals mm-hmm. But that's the people on the outside. The people on the inside are being manipulated by their guilting, by their shaming, by hysteria, tears, Mm -hmm. all of these things to get that person to comply to what they want. And remember, all of these narcissists are doing this because they have an overdeveloped ego and they cannot deal with hard things. Right. You know, they're kind of stuck as children inside Mm -hmm. and they are dependent on other people regulating their emotions for them. Because their parents either completely catered to them and gave, the, gave them whatever they wanted, or their parents were completely non-existent. Right. And they just, they're insecure on the inside. Right. And the those two we went over, we had said we kind of put on a scale that they, like Sharon was saying, present themselves as very much giving personality. So now we're kind of going down the scale more, and these next three narcissists progressively get more visibly selfish right so um the next one we're going to talk about is called the communal narcissist and Mm -hmm. this person is doing a lot of things out in the community and portraying themselves as an amazing person so you might have some politicians that fall into that um when we get to the next one we're going to say a lot of politicians (laughs) fall into that Right, but this is the thing. This is a sad part of narcissism: is a lot of them are drawn into um, jobs where they're going to get a lot of affirmation and mm-hmm. kudos from that. They're not going to be drawn into a job where they're not getting attention. Right. So the, the communal narcissist 
needs to be recognized for their giving to feel worth, like worthy, or just to feel like they have a place. Right. So they get all their affirmation comes from outside. So mm-hmm. they can't get it from their family. Right. Um, they may try to manipulate their family into believing they are amazing too, but the family gets tired of that after a while. Mm-hmm. But these people will be in churches. Um, doing a lot of things and wanting to be seen by pastors. Um, They'll be involved in politics and needing to be seen. Um, There are some therapists out there. Sure, That are narcissists. Yeah. We are not. (laughs) (laughs) We've dived into that already. (laughs) We have. (laughs) And so this person probably has, maybe I'm thinking not very many deep relationships because they're very focused on how the other person sees them and they don't really maybe know other people in their friendships very well then because they're so consumed with being recognized. Yeah, so they'll be in a situation and they're telling you the amazing things that they're doing. Right. They're telling you the amazing projects they're working on. Um, They're trying to pull affirmation, but they're not really asking you, how are you? Right. How are you doing with your grief? There's not much vulnerability or, like, safety in, like, telling this person how things are going because maybe on some level they don't really care. Right. And so, again, that one of those major markers of all narcissists is they don't have empathy. Mm-hmm. They're not going to dive deep into investigating how another person is doing. Right. They don't care. Mm-hmm. They don't care. Right. Um, cause it's about them. So right. that's the communal. Um, yeah. In the middle of giver and selfish on our scale there. Right. Yeah. They portray themselves giving, but when you, when you really examine it, it's, they're really talking a lot about themselves. So then our next category is that classic narcissist. Mm-hmm. Um, and the classic narcissist looks like what? Gaston. <laughs> We're singing it, sing it for us. If you listen to our podcast last week, I always think of Gaston as the classic narcissist because there's that scene where he like pops into um, the restaurant or the pub in Beauty and the Beast and he just has his own chair and everyone loves him and he's buff and beautiful. And he's, and everybody around him is singing a song yes, about him. Yes, exactly. So that's the more like, I think classic is what we mean by what the media portrays a lot in like a narcissist. I remember growing up and learning the word narcissist. The only thing I associated with it is someone who has like a really big head or a super cocky. And that was the extent I remember of what narcissism was. Right. They, they walk into a room. They dominate the room. They believe they should dominate the room. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just talk really highly of themselves. Right. In yeah. a very overt way, unlike the communal person, which is telling you what they're doing. Mm-hmm. They're just talking about how wonderful they are. Like Gaston. Right. And very charismatic. And that's why we had... Uh said politicians sometimes fall into this one because they're very charismatic trying to get your attention and and bait you tricking you into thinking and i'm not saying all politicians are like this i know there are good people that are politicians but (laughs) tricking you into thinking that they actually care about what the subject is they're talking about but really what what i'm what i'm getting from this classic narcissist, they just want your approval. 
they want your approval and they expect your approval. Mm -hmm. And so if you don't give the approval, you are dirt. Right. It does not matter. <laughs> you are dirt to them. They might not be aggressively mean to you, like mm -hmm. our next one, mm -hmm. but you have, you, you're just dirt. Right. So what would a classic narcissist maybe look like in, in a marriage? Like, how would he or she present themselves, do you think? Um, probably more selfish in that they deserve whatever they deserve. Look at what I did. Right. I deserve that. I am amazing. Mm -hmm. I can't believe you're saying that about me. Right. I don't. Right. They I do always do this for you. Yeah. So it's they're much more overt in I can't believe this. They mm -hmm. play a lot of word games because we were talking about that before we started. Mm -hmm. Is gaslighting is yeah. a common theme in all of these. Yes. And what is gaslighting? Um, that there's a famous movie, Kate's a movie lover, with yes. Ingrid Bergman, and she is gaslit by her new husband, mm -hmm. who is really trying to steal from her, but slowly tries to convince her that she is crazy by mm -hmm. turning down the gas that operated the lights, and then and when she says, "Oh, the lights are low," he's like, "No, they're not. They're exactly the same." Right. So. Gaslighting looks like someone telling you what is true is not true. Right. And I think it, and we had said this in part one, they take a tiny bit or a part of a truth and then bring it into the lie. So, like, for it's like, well, I guess he is right. The lights are the same like you know he's using something that is actually there to distort your reality and so a classic narcissist will use that I think in arguments or trying to get yes. their way in maybe like I don't know I think about like um, families and moms maybe needing help or asking for something maybe the classic narcissist will be like well I work all day for the family. Why do I have to do this? And so the wife or mom will be like, well, he does work all day. I guess this is like something that I can't ask help for and start feeling guilty for asking something simple of this person. Right. So, right. So the truth is, yes, he does work all day, but. <laughs> right. So they take a truth and they, and they basically twist it for whatever purpose they have to manipulate the person. Mm-hmm. I didn't say that, right? They might right. say that, but mm -hmm. in actuality, they didn't say that exact verbiage. Mm -hmm. They did say it, but they didn't use those exact words so they can say, I didn't say that. Right. Or when uh, they'll take something that the woman says or the man says mm -hmm. and they'll turn it into something they didn't say. Well, you said this. Mm -hmm. And the other person's like, did I? Yeah. I don't think I did. But this person's demanding and, and very calm in how they gaslight. Right. They're never upset when right. they gaslight. It's not They're, always super aggressive looking. It's not always aggressive. It's very calm. Mm -hmm. And you're just confused afterwards. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. and that's, for me, the primary symptom of any time I, I am being so gaslit mm -hmm. is I enter a conversation clear and then after the conversation I'm confused right right if I knew what I was going in to say and what I felt and then all of a sudden it really flipped and then I don't know what I'm feeling anymore that's that's pretty much a red flag 
Right, because they're taking my feeling and they're manipulating it, and I'm now questioning my own reality. Mm-hmm. So all narcissists do that. Mm-hmm. And why? Again, it's always coming back to they are trying to serve their own ego, mm. their own self-confidence. They, they, they need you to do what they need you to do, and they're going to use whatever manipulation they need to use mm-hmm. to get you to comply. Right, right. And I think with the classic one, I think how I've experienced it at least is I feel a sense of feeling small. Like mm. they're much better at life than I am. They're mm. much smarter at things than I am. They're they've got they've got this down. They're very talented here. And I think when you feel um inferior, that's the word I was looking for, towards this person, right? It feels like you maybe owe them something or you need to earn their love and I that's not a healthy dynamic in a relationship. Someone that cares for you shouldn't be making you feel that way. Yeah, that's true. And um, that and that's the challenge when you've lived with a narcissist for mm. a really long time. Mm-hmm. Your confidence gets worn away slowly. And right. so I'll often have those victims in my office and they just don't even know what they think or believe about anything because they've been slowly convinced that they were the ones that were abusive right that they were the ones who and uh, who did this and the the person will gaslight them and use small pieces and say but look what you did in that situation mm-hmm. and so they literally are so confused when they finally are trying to exit that relationship that there's just a lot of betrayal trauma that they have to come through right because the person that's the victim in this relationship they're usually very empathetic and a giver so they care right like you care if you're hurting someone you care if you realize you've been manipulative it's not a fun feeling and you don't want to be harming anyone so when the narcissist tells you you're you 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 you're doing all of this well that's pretty confusing for an empathetic person it is and they just want to be good Mm mm-hmm they just want to be good people. That's what their goal is, to be a good person. But mm-hmm. um, that will be used, and they will be drained dry by yeah, a narcissist. For sure. No matter what kind of narcissist it is, right. the end result is you will be drained dry unless you learn to set boundaries with it. Right. So gaslighting just looks kind of different in all of these cases, sometimes more sneaky, sometimes more overt. It is. very, And so when it's covert or vulnerable... There's just so much confusion. But by the time we get down to our last one, which is the malignant, it's super clear. Yeah, not con- not confusing anymore. <laughs> but if you want to learn about gaslighting, I think... Well, wait, do we have a podcast? We on- do have a podcast on yeah. gaslighting. I thought so. We have a podcast on gaslighting. And there's a lot more information on gaslighting now than there has ever been before. Um, just make sure you check your sources <laughs> that it's written. By yeah, you want professionals. It, yeah, because when you when you want when you go on YouTube, you mm-hmm. can find all kinds of videos yeah. on various topics. But I'm always looking for ones that are by licensed counselors mm-hmm. instead of random lady right. who's doing a podcast in her bathroom. <laughs> like I'm just looking for right. that that evidence based um, background right. that is going to be hopefully presenting narcissism from that point of view. Right. So if, if like, the word gaslighting is still... It, I think it can be a confusing thing to understand, especially if you've been in the... If you are in the midst of being gaslighted in your environment. And we always say it becomes more clear the more you gather information on it to validate your truth. Yeah. 
when you start seeing a theme of, oh, that person, they say that all the time. Mm -hmm. You're like, what? That's a marker? I never realized that was a marker. And then you go down that list, you're like, wow, wow. Yeah, yeah. So it can be hard, but also very helpful because it will help you not feel as crazy as the narcissist is making you feel. Yeah, and almost all of my people who have been in narcissistic relationships, that's one of my primary things that I do for them when they Mm -hmm. come in is I give them all kinds of sites to follow, all kinds of videos, because if I can give them a lot of psychoeducation, I can get them from I am crazy to this is really normal and I am not the problem Right. super fast. That doesn't mean they don't need betrayal trauma counseling. They do. But when they get that information and they start recognizing the truth, it really helps them wake up fast. Yeah, definitely. I'm like just inserting blood back in that has been drained out of them. (laughs) You are not crazy. (laughs) I know the vampire has drained much, but here, let me give you some new ideas here. Right. So the next one we're going to talk about is the malignant narcissist. Mm. I have trouble with saying that word. (laughs) Malignant, yes. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, malignant narcissist is extremely, extremely manipulative. I would say scary manipulative. Yeah, they're the people who, when you're at a stoplight and you're not moving fast enough, they're screaming at you. Mm -hmm. They're Mm -hmm. trying to constantly control a lot of elements of their reality, not just their partner. Right. And it's a very, like, almost like you have two different people living in your house is a good way I think you can experience this type of person. Either they're extremely, like, lovey and sweet and try to adore you and make you feel so amazing. And then the second you do something that they do not want you to do or do not want you to say, or even feel empowered in any way, they switch to, like, a completely different side of themselves, which looks angry, manipulative, um, just, like, extreme gaslighting. Yeah, it's, 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 these people are much more out of control than the Mm -hmm. others, um, and they don't care. No, definitely not. (laughs) Uh, I always use the analogy, and I need to find a more modern movie besides Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, because that's so old now. But I need another one. So, Kate, you got to come up with one. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, that idea of I am one person if you're complying, Mm -hmm. and I am a completely different person if you're not complying. Right. And these are the people, their victims are stuck in that cycle of abuse with them. Yeah. They are the individuals who they do horrible. And then it's calm. And then in order to re-earn your trust, they do the extreme love bombing. Mm-hmm. And then we start ramping up slowly until there's another explosion. And so most of the people in the cycle of abuse are in, are in a relationship with some type of malignant narcissist. Mm-hmm. Because this type of abuse is not just emotional, not just verbal. It's often physical. Yeah. It's often sexual. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah, it can get, um, I think, really, it, it gets really ugly and really scary. And so with this, I will say with this victim, I know for me, because it encompasses all types of abuse, 
how to work their way out of this situation has to be dealt with very carefully because this person is also mm-hmm. very unpredictable. And so you need to understand what safety looks like when you're dealing yes. with this person. And um, I think the other ones are, are, are less aggressive, right? I mean, it's still, it's still hard to understand how to remove yourself from those relationships. But with the malignant narcissist, uh, I think I almost like we do a lot of planning, like yeah. steps, what needs to be done. Because right. it doesn't look like just not being there anymore yeah because they will not respect your boundaries right they will not and i'm and as we go down the line the boundaries get looser and looser for the by the time you get to the malignant it doesn't matter what you say exactly they're going to do whatever they want to do to you Mm -hmm. um so yeah so we're planning we're creating an exit plan we're Mm -hmm. creating a safety plan we're moving money slowly into a private account that they can access Mm -hmm. because this person will automatically take possession of the money Mm -hmm. um they are just very aggressive and um they are much more scary right and with this type two it it's hard because um they it's weird they really don't want you to have any power at all but the second, at least for, I think for me, when my clients do start being empowered, like things start changing and shifting. And I think at times, sometimes they're just like, okay, well then forget you. I'll go find my next victim. Right. Right. Because this person isn't giving them their source of energy anymore. Right. That source of energy is them having complete control of this person. So empowerment in the victim, I think, really changes the dynamics in that relationship. Right. So by the time that victim starts taking control down there with malignant nurse, I'm pointing at the picture. <laughs> by the time they start taking control in the situation um, and, ter- and like maybe taking control of the money or mm-hmm. other, other resources in the home or, or the amount of sex or any of those things, when they start doing that, that malignant will often try to kick them out of their own home Mm -hmm. um or sometimes they'll leave um particularly if they want to let everybody know oh yeah how horrible this person has been to them how abusive this person has been to them but many times they will try to push the victim out of the home Mm -hmm. because they they don't want to look like the bad guy again all of these people are very focused on making sure that the rest of the people around them think they're amazing. Right, right. Because, again, they have a very strong ego, Mm -hmm. and they don't have the ability to deal with anyone perceiving them negatively. So they might try to push you out of the house or whatever. And, And this comes back to, I think, the malignant tries to gain a lot of the term we used last, um, last podcast, uh, flying monkeys, right? Yeah. So that looks like... Maybe I know I know some clients that I've had like this person's parents, so the spouse's in laws, all of a sudden are like, How could you how could you do this? How like you mm-hmm. said, how could you kick our son out? Like he's provided for you, like this is very disheartening for us. And the spouse is like, I've I've tried. I, I've undergone all this abuse, like I've tried and I can't do it anymore. And it to the point where the malignant narcissist has manipulated everyone around this person to isolate him or her from any from any connection of of getting help or hope. Yes, it's it's so messy, and and I, often the that victim finally comes out, and they don't have much of a support system because 
no matter which which of these individuals mm-hmm. that we're talking about, they have whittled away at the support system mm-hmm. around that person mm-hmm. um, by gaslighting. Whether it's the the victim, vulnerable version, or all the way down, they're always trying to promote themselves as the good one. And if they feel it headed towards bigger boundaries by the victim, they're going to make sure they turn up the heat on the gaslighting. Right. So it's interesting because I think a sign that you can notice when, you know, maybe this person is an unhealthy narcissist looks like. I know there's times when, like, a friend maybe notices something about about the, the spouse, so about the narcissist, and says to her friend, like, hey, that doesn't seem very healthy. Like, maybe maybe you should bring this up. Maybe you should go to counseling. The wife tells the, the narcissist spouse and then the narcissist spouse goes, somehow twists the friend's words, right, and says, oh, she doesn't sound like she's very supportive of us, right? Yes. Why would Why would we want someone, why would you want someone that's not supportive of me and you, right? Friend cut off. Yes. Slowly isolating, like, your circle to feel like when, when you finally need some help, you have no one, and that unfortunately gives that spouse so much life, I think. It's true. They really do isolate them, the victim, mm-hmm. a lot. So, again, I want to say that, like, 1% of narcissists actually change. Right. That's really hard because Mm -hmm. they have to face down some really hard pain. Mm -hmm. So I think you really need to identify, am I able to live with this person with really strong boundaries? Mm -hmm. If I stay, can I stay well? Right. Can I stay emotionally well and live with this person? Or if I continue to live with this person, can I leave? If if I'm not going to leave with this person. Mm -hmm. Can I leave well? Right. And that's always the question I ask. Are you able to stay with that covert narcissist and have strong boundaries and stay well emotionally? Mm-hmm. You know, some people can. Yeah. Some people can. Mm-hmm. It's just dependent on the person. Yeah. There's no... So that's always the question I'm throwing right. at that person because there's so many things involved. Children, grandchildren, money, yeah. oh, so many factors right. that I want to actually look at. I would say anyone who's down here with the clat, the malignant, you'll never be able yeah. to stay well. Well, and we wouldn't want you to. No. If you're being that abused on that level. Right. That just wouldn't make sense. Any therapist that you tell that story to is going to tell you, okay, it's it, it sounds like you might need an exit plan. Or at least me hearing this, I you're being abused. I don't want this for you, right? Like, mm-hmm. so I think the malignant is just much more black or white because the abuse is so exploitive and terrible. It is. Um, and unfortunately, we see a lot of that. We do see a lot of that because a narcissist will never seek therapy on, a, on their own. Mm-hmm. Never. Unless they're trying to manipulate the words of the counselor right. to manipulate somebody else. Right, which hopefully if you have a good counselor, they know what's happening. <laughs> right, and so sometimes those individuals want to come into the therapy session and get you to side with them or say things mm-hmm. so that they can take that back to their spouse and use it as a means of manipulating right. their of spouse. But for, as a general rule, they do not seek counseling, but their victims do. Right, yeah, yeah. And so I think, like, if if any of these, like, strike a chord with you, I think one powerful thing to be able to do is either to go to a therapist or a trusted friend and even just have someone say, I believe you, right? Like, yeah. the amount of, like, uh, 
empowerment I think that comes in our offices from just validating the the client's pain and not being yeah. like, well, did you do that to him? Right? We're not questioning your story, right? We know this is happening. We believe your story. Because um, for so long, this person is usually isolated, questioning their reality, right? They do. They do question their reality a lot. And I always say to people, write it down when it mm-hmm. happens mm-hmm. so that when the gaslighting comes, you can have clarity to say, no, I didn't say that. I mm-hmm. didn't do that. So always, whatever phrase feels confusing, always write it down mm-hmm. so that you can say, no, but no, you can gauge your own reality by writing it all down. So these people come in with pages and pages yeah. and pages. I've, I've even had someone secretly uh, recorded on their phone in their pocket. As painful as that is, they know, like, there's no way of denying, yeah. okay, yeah. I know what happened here, right? And, and, and that would be more of extreme cases when you're really trying to understand how to get out of this situation. Um, yes, do not use that for any type of evidence because... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It would be illegal to record someone. Right. But if you're just doing it for your own purpose or to right. talk to your exactly. therapist or share it with a friend, right. that's perfectly fine because that's your way of saying, am I crazy? Right. Yeah. Right? That, But I'm not going to be able to use that as evidence in court. Right. No. Well, thanks so much for listening. See you later. Bye. For more information, visit our website, wellspringssolutions.com, which is linked in our show notes, along with any downloads or resources from today's episode. If you have any questions, feel free to DM us on social media and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Wellspring Solutions. Original music featured in this episode is by Christopher Burkholder.